not have a faith in action sheet or you have no idea what I'm talking about, just raise your hand. We'll get one to you as we come. We're going to be talking today about freedom of speech in our series of Freedom in Christ. What is freedom of speech? You know, we're afforded in our country by the Bill of Rights in this fantastic document we call the Constitution, the freedom of speech. It's not 100%. You can't stand up in a movie theater and yell fire, but we do have freedom of speech. Do we have freedom of speech as a uh, tabernacle of the Spirit of God? Can we say anything we want whenever we want? Well, on one hand, the Bible says everything is permissible, but don't stop there. Not everything is beneficial. We have, as followers and as tabernacles of Christ, responsibility to discern what it is we can say and cannot say. Some things are better left unsaid. Some things are better left said in a different way, in a different manner. And I want to drill down on that. And if we don't truly understand in life the power of the heart and the power of the tongue and the relationship between those two things, we are going to create for ourselves. Listen to me. We're going to create for ourselves bondage. The absence of freedom. Said another way, the relationship between your heart and your tongue can cause you incredible, ongoing, toxic problems in your life. And today and this morning, we're going to ask the Lord to show us how to reverse that, that we may be free in our heart and how we speak. We have to know the power of our words and what to do when we speak appropriately and inappropriately. A man working in the produce department was asked by a lady if she could buy a half a head of lettuce. He replied, half a head? Are you serious? God grows these in whole heads and that's how we sell them. Always have. You mean she persisted that after all the years I've shopped here, you won't sell me a half a head of lettuce? Look, he said, if you like, I'll ask the manager. She indicated that that would be appreciated, so the young man marched to the front of the store. You won't believe this. There's a lame brain idiot of a lady back there who wants to know if she can buy half a head of lettuce. He noticed the manager gesturing and turning around to see the lady standing behind him, obviously having followed him to the front of the store. So the produce worker said, and this nice lady was wondering if she could buy the other half. <laughs> Later in the day, the manager cornered the young man and said, that was the finest example of thinking on your feet I've ever seen. Where did you learn that? He said, I grew up in Grand Rapids. And if you know anything about Grand Rapids, you know that if it's known that it's for its great hockey teams and its ugly women. The manager's face flushed. And he interrupted. He says, my wife is from Grand Rapids. So he said, and which hockey team did she play for? <laughs> we got to watch our words. Let's not make a mistake. Our words can get us in trouble. And true freedom is the result of not de uh, dealing and treating the toxic symptoms of our speech 
We don't need to be preoccupied necessarily with trying not to say something or trying to say something all the time. A better approach, a better strategy would be to deal with the underlying root cause of why we say things that are harmful or hurtful, alienating, or that separate us from others. True freedom is a result of treating and fertilizing the root cause of what we say. We don't think about this near enough. The root cause of what we say comes out of the abundance of our heart. Our Christianity cannot be a preoccupation with things we need to stop doing, cease doing, forget doing, or walk away from doing. If that's all we're going to do and never treat the root cause, we're always going to be struggling what we should and should not do. We need to take care of our hearts if we want to understand how to speak peace, unity, and anointing. An anointing that breaks the yoke. Jesus put it this way, Matthew 12, 33 to 37. Either makes the tree good and its, and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. You never want to hear Jesus say this. Brood of vipers. I don't know what it means, but it sounds bad. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account on it, of it for, on the day of judgment. For by the words you have been justified, and by your words you will be condemned. That's strong. What's the condition of your heart this morning? And in certain possibly isolated areas of your life, have you said things that have caused you to have a toxic heart? And out of that toxic heart, do you need healing? I have some examples here. These are generalizations. A person with a harsh tongue has an angry heart. Anger is often fear. We'll get to that later. A person with a negative tongue has a fearful heart. A person with an overactive tongue has an unsettled heart, overreactive tongue. A person with a boasting tongue has an insecure heart. A controlling, jealous person has an insecure heart. A person with a filthy tongue has an impure heart. A person who is critical all the time likely has a bitter heart. A person who is always encouraging has a graceful heart. And a person who speaks gently tends to have a loving heart. A person who speaks fruitfully has an honest heart. What kind of heart do you have? And what kind of heart do you have in particular relationships? And how might we free ourselves from such a thing. Here's a popular verse. I'm not sure we've truly, truly understood it experientially. Philippians 4, 4 and 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. Listen, 
as much as we try, we're not going to learn ourselves into peace. We can learn the word, fine. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with that. But learning isn't necessarily all that is needed for us to walk in and experience peace. Christ is our peace. He is the Prince of Peace who became the King of Kings. How do we walk in this peace that surpasses all understanding? And the way to do that is to guard your heart. Those that guard their heart out of the abundance of their heart, they speak fruitfully. One's heart has to be guarded. Have you even thought about this? Has it even passed your mind? Has it crossed your mind? Not everything, not everything in this culture is supposed to be exposed to our hearts and our minds. Not everything is just digestible. Not everything is acceptable. Not everything is to be just taken in. You're not a sponge. You're a tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. Let me emphasize holy, pure. What is it we are soaking in that's getting into our heart because we soak it in on a regular basis? What is profane? What, is, what comes through our eyes into our heart? What relationships do we need boundaries on to keep those people from getting into our hearts? Because once they get into our hearts, we speak with the toxicity of that person once we allow them in. We have to guard our hearts as though there were a security guard, a gate. Many of you people live in gated communities. What are you letting into the community of your heart that is not welcome, that doesn't belong? Said another way, what are you ingesting? I hear this more and more and more. People coming to me and saying, you know, listen, I'm having to think about this. It's not that I have a huge problem, but I got a little issue with wine. I got a little issue with this, with that. What's, what's happening is that's gotten into your heart. There's only three ways that you really get bound up in this life, three original ways. We've gone over these. Fear, shame, and hiding. When you start to do something on a regular basis that tends to change your outlook of the way you look at the world with your mind, yourself with your mind, and the Lord with your mind, and the way you look at the world yourself and the Lord with your heart, it causes shame. And when shame enters the human heart, you don't speak as the Lord would have you speak. You speak out of an abundance of shame. We have to guard our hearts. Now, I made this up, but I was impressed with it. <laughs> so I kept it. Heart dis-ease Heart dis-ease, an uneased heart, is the number one cause of relationship deaths, deaths in America. Bruised friendships, strained parent-son-daughter relationships. Some of you haven't talked to your children in years. Breakups, divorces, business partnerships. Don't get me started on Christian business partnerships. I don't think I've ever seen one work. 
non-communication in families. Heart dis-ease. We're not speaking to one another all the time in ways that lead to freedom. We're actually speaking to one another in ways that build bricks between us, brick walls. Our heart has to get right because the tongue follows the heart. Is your heart right? Is it whole? Is it intact? If speaking life into people is important, then those of us with a good heart that don't speak, actually don't speak out of the abundance of goodness, and we're withholding from others what the Lord would have us to share. This is equally an issue as saying the wrong things. It's not saying anything at all, especially when you have a reservoir of a really good heart that's whole and intact and holy and pure, and, and God blesses it and fills it, and it's, it's overflowing, but you withhold your speech from others is equally as bad. A Greek sage said, I've, I've, I have often regretted my speech, but never my silence. I get that, but in the world in which we live, if the church remains silent and the church has the right heart, the lost and dying, hopeless, immoral, pagan, idolater world we live in will have zero hope because we're the ones who have the hope in us, the hope of glory, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Why are we withholding with good hearts the very power of the spoken word that when anointed breaks the yoke over the culture, we have to sing, we have to speak out of the abundance of a good heart. But that's why I say beware of improper silence. Beware of a perceived need to be eloquent. We've filled the pulpits with so many people across the land that are gifted at doing what they do but that's bad if we've created a standard for everybody, perhaps not gifted in that area, to feel like they can't even speak because there's a standard of eloquence that's necessary. That's ridiculous. Paul stunk as a preacher. Well, at least he didn't have the eloquence. Maybe I should take that back. Maybe he wasn't so bad because he wasn't elegant or eloquent. Maybe. All we really need is a simple, loving encouragement from people. Why have we made it so difficult? I don't know. I stand before people who I feel are the most encouraging people I've ever met in my life. Many of you have hearts of gold. And out of the overflow of your heart would come beautiful, beautiful fruit. But if you withhold it from people, who? gave you the divine right and volition to withhold truth from other people, though your heart is whole and intact. Who empowered you to do that? It wasn't Christ. It wasn't the Spirit of God. You have to speak. God's word does not return void of the abundance of a great, pure heart. It does not. For those of us who aren't that verbal, you can speak in word and you can speak in deed. May your deeds speak loudly and clearly. Some of us would say a whole lot more if we spoke a whole lot less. 
Somehow, for some of us, we've thought that quantity is somehow more important than quality. It's not. On a windswept hill in an English country churchyard stands a drab, gray slate tombstone. The quaint stone bears an epitaph not easily seen unless you stoop over and look very closely. The faint etching reads, beneath the stone, a lump of clay, lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. Sometimes we don't have freedom, our heart's right, and we don't speak because we have a fear of, for whatever reason, vulnerability. Vulnerability. You don't have to hide from people if you're already hidden in Christ. I have a sport coat on today, not unusual, and in it is a handkerchief. If I take this handkerchief and I put it on the inside pocket, it's actually more appropriately symbolizing who I am. If the sport coat is Christ, I'm hidden in him. When I speak, if you have a problem with what I say, you should have a problem with Christ. I'm hidden in him. Don't take it up with me. Take it up with him. He is persecuted, and I am persecuted only because I am in him and hidden in him. If I have hidden his word in my heart that I might not sin against him, then out of the abundance of my heart, I can say anything I want to say if it is true. And I'm not relying upon you to define me. I'm not relying upon pleasing you. For all of the codependents in the world, listen, you're hidden in Christ. You can speak up for yourself, for he is your defender. We have to learn when to speak and when to not, and the freedom or the bondage thereof. This is important. I don't want you going around trying to not speak a certain way anymore. I do, but I'd much rather you just work on your heart because the natural fruit of that is choice, uplifting, gentle, timely, anointed words that penetrate even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, that have depth to them, that have direction to them, that have purpose to them, that are time-released words where people can process them and make uh, changes based on the, the revelation of what we said to them, based on truth. Slow your conversations down. Stop reacting before the person you're reacting to even finishes the sentence. Slow down and speak to one another with dignity, gentleness, 
respect. Slow down. Speak out of the abundance of your heart. If your heart is diseased and you're out of rhythm with the Holy Spirit, speak less. Speak more judiciously with actions more than words. A sharp tongue is the only edged tool that grows keener with constant use. A sharp tongue only gets sharper with use. Every other sharp object in the world gets duller with use. The tongue gets sharper, more alienated, more insulting, more divisive. Understand time in relationships. Let me, let me uh, uh, help you with this. Time heals no wounds. You've heard that a million times. Time heals no wounds. Time doesn't heal wounds, Christ does. He does it in the context of time. The reason the, you've been alienated for someone you haven't talked in three years, it's not okay when you get back together unless something of the heart has changed so that when you do communicate, it's fruitful. Time is only delayed and inevitable. Time is what created for us in which to heal, to become whole in the power of the Spirit of God and the blood of Christ. Too many people in this world with diseased hearts speak too much. Let me say that again. Too many people in the world have a diseased, toxic, corrupt, blackened heart and they speak too much. Give somebody with that same heart an opportunity to speak often and they'll change an entire culture. If the listener doesn't discern, tune out, or allow that to come into their heart, be absorbed, they'll begin to sound the same way. You end up with a nation that is incredibly divided. We have to stand guard over our hearts so that we don't become too um, impressed. When the culture becomes our potter and not Christ, the clay figure we end up being is far different than we would have been had he been our potter. There's this thing going on right now and it's been for a long time. It wasn't this when I first came to Christ. When I first came to Christ, you had to actually, you were encouraged as you were discipled to, to stand over the gate of your heart and, and really discern what you're gonna let in. But what's happened is, and you, you all don't even know about this. It started with dial-up. Now it's like I can get any piece of information I want in about .005 seconds. We are so inundated with stuff in our culture, we don't have time to stand guard over our heart or mind. That's why we end up saying things that make no sense to anybody, doesn't bear any fruit whatsoever. If not, it could be harmful. We don't stand guard over our heart. Many years ago, and you'll never find this, so I'm just gonna tell you, there was a, there was a movie called Avalon. And uh, the, movie, uh, the movie was about this family in New Jersey, and every Thanksgiving they would kind of share what they did at Thanksgiving. And when it got to the 50s, one Thanksgiving was a little different, they had a TV set. And then they showed every Thanksgiving after that TV set, by the 60s, we were all eating on TV trays. Kids are in the bedroom eating, 
Families watching football game, and the dining room table hadn't been used in a year and a half. We just get inundated, amused, we check out, we don't stand guard over our own hearts. And eventually, garbage in, garbage out. Blessed are the pure in heart, Jesus said, for they shall see God. That word pure means focused, like, like fixated upon, focused, intently gazing upon, beholding, and not distracted, like attentive, listening. You ever see the movie, uh, The Secret of Walter, Life of Walter Mitty? Here's a guy, it was a remake. It was a good movie, you should watch it. He would check out, he would zone out. He would like have these fantasies in his head and he, he'd like, for like moments at a time, nobody could talk to him. He's just in another place and another, another life and another fantasy. And near the end of the movie, he stopped having those as often and they didn't last as long and his life looked more like what he fantasized about than the actual fantasy. And what was the difference? He fell in love. He fell in love and life became more important to experience it than to escape it. We live in this culture right now that probably has the lowest attentiveness rate in the history of mankind. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Pure in heart, are you kidding me? I got too much going on. You see my to-do list? I'm a multitasker. Oh, excuse me. You're a multitasker. Oh, you don't have to worship. Oh, you're a multitasker. You don't have to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. You got too much going on. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on your toes. Maybe you can get an appointment with him in a couple of weeks like you have to do with a plumber around here or a couple of months. You got too much going on. I don't have time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Well, that's what the world does. And you're either for him, my friend, or you're against him in our actions. I had to put this in here because I knew I had to minister to myself and no one else. So pardon me while I speak to myself for a second. To tune out another's words can be equivalent to not hearing their heart. To tune out another person's heart takes a lack of love. To not listen to another is to not listen potentially to their heart. And to negate their heart is to communicate a lack of love, a demonstration of a lack of love. To dismiss what a person has to say, to not absorb and be pure in heart towards someone you're speaking with, that you're invested in, who's invested in you, to not listen. You can hear, but you also have to listen. 
On listening, we act. On hearing, we forget. Are you listening to another person speak out of the abundance of their heart? Are you hearing the message every Sunday? Or are you listening to the word of God every Sunday? God is speaking constantly. Are you listening? He's speaking out of the abundance of his heart, the overflow of his heart, out of the abundance of grace and mercy and patience and everlasting love and truth and liberation and wisdom and clarity. Are you listening? For to not listen is to dismiss, and to dismiss is to demonstrate a lack of love or priority thereof. If I say anything to these young people here today, if you haven't yet figured it out, figure this out. You have to put a wall around yourself. Call it a prison wall. And if you don't put this prison wall around your heart and your mind for 10 minutes a day, five minutes a day, 23 hours a day, if you don't have this prison wall, you'll never be free. You'll be so inundated with stimuli and requests and inane, unimportant things for the majority of your entire life if you don't build these walls. If you don't get in that jail where the only person you hear is the voice of God, the word of God, not just hear, listen, that goes into your heart, that comes out of your mouth, that comes out of your actions. What prison is that? It's not brick walls. It's not metal walls. It's not a penitentiary. It's love. If you are constrained by the love of Christ, to find time in the day that he gave you, and you're constrained by that love, more important than practicing your worship and your singing, more than knowing your music, if you're constrained by that love, that you are immovable, you are open, you are undistracted, you are absorbing, soaking in, and soaking in the Spirit of God. If you don't do that, this world will overtake you like 10,000 waterfalls. If you can't, put that together, you don't stand a chance in this world. Not a chance. You have to be constrained by the love of Christ to sit, to be taught, to listen, to be corrected, to be admonished, to be encouraged, to be directed. You've got to hear the word of God. You've got to listen to it, and you've got to let your heart soak it in. It doesn't have to be a lot. It's too potent. You only need a little bit. Once you do that, you'll know how to guard your heart. You'll know how to sequester your heart. You'll know what's of God and what's not in a culture that is totally confused on that very issue. Get in prison and constrained by the love of Christ that you, my friend, might be free. And let that soak into your heart to the extent that out of the abundance of your heart you will speak. And the relationships that are strained, fractured, or broken will be made whole. How? The words that come out of your heart will be words of contrition, respect, love. They'll have an authority about them. They'll be unexpected words falling on unexpected hearts and unexpected ears. 
your contrition and your brokenness has made your heart whole again. And now the words you speak are not combative or accusatory. They're full of reconciliation, harmony, unity, respect. It's something I haven't heard said in a church in so long. What's that word I'm looking for? I remember now. Repentance is what it is. Repentance. Turning another direction. May God build you a prison cell for you to lock yourself in on a daily basis. May its walls be the love of Christ and may it constrain your heart and your ears and your mind to hear him and him alone. And may it fill the abundance of your heart and overflow into your family, your marriage, your church, your community when you freely open your mouth and speak words of life and life more abundantly. That's the root problem. Worry about what you're saying right now. Examine yourself. Oh, where have I heard that? Examine yourself. I think it's in the Bible. Something to do with communion. Oh my gosh, I got, I got holy bumps. We have in communion today. Jesus broke the bread and he gave it to them. He said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Not long after that, brokenness became a serious theme among those who were there that night. Judas Iscariot was soon broken beyond repair. Peter had three fractures that night in his soul. Thomas, so broken, even after the resurrection, he had to have physical proof. Brokenness is something we all share. It's part of our reality. Somewhere in your heart, something broke may not have totally healed up yet. Something of our relationships are fractured even as we sit here today. Brokenness is everywhere. People of Maui are broken today. Some got in their cars to exit a firestorm coming down a mountain at great speed. And in the cars behind them, only skeletons were found charred. We live in a broken world. If you're not broken today, you will be. Know your limps. Know your weaknesses. How else could a Lord sent to this earth become as relatable as he can to us unless he himself was broken? The only way we can identify with the divinity of all eternity 
So identify what we're most familiar with, our own brokenness. And he was broken on a cross for us. There's death everywhere around us. We speak words of death. We physically murder one another. We speak murder and death over people. Our tongues speak curses of death. We're inundated with profane things on a daily basis. But where's the life? The life, my friend, is in the blood. He came that we might have life and life more abundantly. Your wholeness is found in this bread, the broken body of Christ, for he holds all things together now the life of what you see. Not what you're going to do with your life. The impartation, the manifest presence of the life of Christ in your own life, thoughts, speech, actions, inactions, life, fervency, passion, purpose, direction, life. Not this life. Life eternal. Not citizenship here, citizenship in heaven. Life, life, life. Empty words come from an empty heart. Empty hearts speak to seize the illusion of importance. Your importance is rooted in the fullness the sacrifice of Christ. Let him fill your heart today. As the communicants come forward and prepare to come to the table where you will find wholeness and life, forgiveness and sanctification, power in the midst of weakness and healing in the midst of sickness. Let's pray. Not a person here today, Lord, or on any day that is not in some way broken. And you hold all things together. Hold on to us. Hug us, embrace us, keep us in the palm of your hand. Minister to the shattered today, the splintered, the fractured, to the weak, to those who can't stand up under the weight of living on this earth. Gird them up. Even in this moment, I ask you in Jesus' name to the lifeless, to the hopeless, those trusting in chariots and idols, systems and mankind, impart life, the Zoe life of Christ, well up within you as rivers of living water. Constrain us at this table by the love of Christ. Be pure in heart, attentive to you. Jesus' holy name. Everyone said, Amen.
come to the corresponding duo in front of you and receive the broken body of Jesus Christ and the blood of the Lamb. Amen.